Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 246, the 2022 Pop Culture Roundtable. I'm your host, John, and I'm very excited to have my pop culture correspondents back with me one more time before we wrap the show. But before we get started, a couple things. First off, if you're listening to this in real time, for those of you in the States or that celebrate, happy Thanksgiving, wishing you all the best in this time of thanks, which I'm very thankful for the folks I have with me today. We're also very, very thankful that this episode is being sponsored by our friends at Namely. This will be our last episode of November with Namely. So many things to be thankful for. Everybody knows how much we love Namely. Be sure to check out Namely.com slash HR Social Hour to get your first month of service free when you sign up for the product. Wendy is a happy customer. We love working with Namely. We've been so blessed with that relationship over the last so many years. So again, be sure to check out their products. And again, as I mentioned, I'm very thankful for this group. It's hard to believe this will be the fifth year that we've done this pop culture roundtable. And I think it's the actual sixth show because we did a mid-year session once. I'm going to have the correspondents, as it were, introduce themselves, and we'll go from there. Hey, everyone. I'm Lorena. I'm really happy to be here. Hello, it's Michael. Happy to be here as well. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Chris Orozco. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm so glad to have you back. It's hard to believe. It's been almost a year since we recorded last time. We've had some changes in our extended family in this pop culture roundtable group. Lorena, how is married life treating you? Hey, it's fantastic. Life. Yes, I'm super happy. Um, I'm glad the wedding planning is over, though. Like, I like what made me happiest. I'm so sorry, Samir, but what made me happiest was not having to plan a wedding. Um, so, <laughs> um, but no, we're really, really excited. Um, still in the honeymoon phase, you know, trying to figure out what's next for us. Um, you know, with this crazy housing market, probably going to buy a house at some point. But, you know, it'll come when it comes. <laughs> um, just relaxing. Um, and then around the same time, I also got a new opportunity with Humoriso. Started a new job around the same time I got married. So really excited about that as well. Well, everybody knows how much we love John Baldino and Humoriso. So congratulations on both fronts. And also congratulations, you two had some of the best Halloween costumes I've seen. Your Pokemon oh, get up you. was tremendous. <laughs> yes. Very, very funny. Very funny. <laughs> thank you. Well, so now we've we've got new new life together. Chris, I want to yes, say sir. this. I believe I was the only person here that knew what was going on. And I believe yep. I was one of the very few people that knew when you made your big announcement. Uh, like a yeah, handful so of what happened to you this them. year? Yes, sir. Yeah, you were one of the the, the few. I uh, Long-time listeners, you guys know, I've uh, been a father to a, the most beautiful little guy in the world, Matthew Joe, um, co-host of Galaxy Game Players. And since we left uh, last year, we have welcomed now baby number two. I'm now a father to two beautiful little uh, children, uh, and her name is Little Miss baby Mia. I just could not be happier. When I was talking with John about her full name is Amelia, uh, call her Mia for short, which I totally ripped off. You guys know I'm a huge Fast and Furious fan. So I totally ripped off Mia from, uh, from that. Yeah. When I, when I was talking to John about this and I told him, I will admit to all of our friends out there listening, I was a little scared, you know, cause I, I just uh, turned 40. Well, when I knew she was coming, I turned 41 and I just thought, wow, is that too old to start over? Because my son's already nine. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to, you know? And uh, I actually looked up, like, older dads, and it made me feel a lot better. Like, I think, uh, like, Chris Pratt was 43 when he had his daughter. 
And I think like Robert Downey Jr. was 48 and The Rock, of course, The Rock. And if The Rock can do it, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm in good company here. I think he was like 46. And so that made me feel better. And and one of the girls I work with, she said, my dad was 49. (laughs) You know what? I'm doing okay. We have little baby Mia join uh, Matthew and I, and I'm just, you guys have seen the pictures. You guys all have seen her on Facebook and see a lot of pictures of them. I just couldn't ask for anything more. She's uh, she's such a smiley, happy little girl. She's crazy about her brother, and he's just to see the sibling bond between those two, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fortunate guy. I don't know what I did to, to, to earn this and be this fortunate, but yeah. Michael, I know I think I asked you kind of before we got started because happily married your son is a beautiful little young man did you have anything much exciting going on <laughs> no, uh, yeah i, I uh, neither did not definitely didn't get married again and um and uh no 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 new ones on the on the line uh my son he just started first grade this year so he's seven and i will say uh, chris i can relate because i was 39 when we had uh, him and i felt the same way i was like oh gosh i started doing the math of like how old will i be when he's 18 or not, you know, and uh, yeah, I, like, I, I can what? relate to that. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about what I've been up to because I talk about what I do all the time. We got together when we first started this thing. I, I wish I could remember how we decided. I want to say it started on Twitter, which most of our conversations started, especially back in 2018. <laughs> but we decided to get together then and we used to we'd talk about different things. Doing a little different this year, what I've asked is each person to bring three topics so they could be movies music podcasts books whatever in the pop culture realm i have a feeling i know probably a couple things that are going to come up i always learn something new too lorena what do you want to talk about first let's not pretend like we don't know it's taylor swift okay yeah Um, yeah it's taylor swift she did a new album midnights it came out on midnight i was a little bit offended because I was like, Taylor, I'm 30 years old. You should do an album that's called 8 a.m. Like, you know, I can't wait for you to, like, put that out at midnight. I'm sleeping at midnight. I'm a working woman. But anyways, I forgive her. Um, (laughs) It's a fantastic album. There's a lot of, like, rumors about how when she had her issue with Kanye West, she kind of went MIA for three years. Um, She used to do albums every other year or so. Um, but she went MIA for three years and then she got an album out back in the t- uh, 2017. I think it was called Reputation and a lot of fans because it was such a different album and it was a lot about, you know, getting her reputation back to what it was. A lot of uh, fans thought there was a lost album that should have come out at 2016. The rumor was that this album was going to be called Karma because of a bunch of clues that are kind of boring for the rest of you guys to hear. It's exciting for me, but I'm not going to make you go through all those clues. But anyways, we, the fans, thought this album's going to be called Karma, and and it's a lost album. And then she started hinting about a new album early this year. So we're like, oh, this is the year that Karma's getting out. You know, we're going to get Karma finally. Turns out the album's called Midnight's, um, but there is a song called Karma, so we weren't that off. And mm-hmm. it's just a really good album about things she's gone through that she finally processed as a almost 33 year old now you know looking back to a lot of her drama in her like late teens to early 20s the my favorite my personal favorite song is vigilante and it's a such a scorpio song man i'm a scorpio so like i love it so much what's that song Um, about it's it's about revenge essentially so it's my favorite lyric it's where she says i don't start but i can tell you how it ends 
I was like, yes, queen. Yes. Yeah. Like, don't mess with her. Like, that's that's the type of Scorpio energy I love. I know I'm low-key about my Scorpio-ness, but I I can be quite a Scorpio. Great song. Scorpio energy. Yes. And she's a Sagittarius, but, you know, know, close enough. Close enough. The other song I really like is Antihero, which is, like, the number, like, her first hit that came out. Um, because it discusses a little bit of her body dysmorphia, which has always been a, a topic about how this girl is super skinny. She's always been super skinny, but when she started gaining a little bit of weight, by the way, she was still skinny. People were just saying that she was fat and everything. And I can sort of relate to that as, you know, growing up, I did have that body dysmorphia. And although some people didn't love how it was portrayed in the music video, which I understand because she used the word fat in the music video, and I totally get it. It can be problematic. I do understand the feeling of looking at yourself in the mirror and knowing mentally that you're fine, you look fine, and that weight is just a number, but you just feel fat because the world is telling you that you are fat. Great, you know, great topics out there. And then there's another song called Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. And it's about her relationship with Taylor Lautner, which is the one relationship she um, regrets how she handled because she broke up with him. They were really young. She was probably 19 and he was 18, something like that. She broke up with him and he had given everything to him. Then when she realized she broke his heart and the best boyfriend she could have had back in the time, you know, she, you know, she lost him because she was, I don't know what happened between them, but something happened. She went back to him to see if they could fix things and he had moved on. So she dwells a little bit on that. Those are like my top three songs. But the whole album is fantastic. And there's a 3 a.m. version with seven more songs. Again, she should have done an 8 a.m. version. I think that would have been more prudent for us fans who've been following her since she was like 15. Amazing. (laughs) I just want to take a moment to point out two things. Unfortunately, this is radio podcasting so uh it's not a video element i do want to point out that last year's shenanigans hailed taylor particularly about a song about a red scarf and so we are kind enough that chris has joined us wearing said scarf because after last year's recording he got a package from lorena with the cd and and a scarf because that's the kind of stuff we like to do um, I think the other thing I've learned about Taylor Swift, which you know I've looked, I've listened a little bit at, at your recommendation. You don't mess with her. God, if you dated her, don't like you know if, <laughs> she's probably gonna call you're going to be a number one yeah. hit single. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you break up I mean, with her and wrong her, you're ne- you will be on top of the charts. Yeah. I mean, granted, she does no, like and getting no money for it too. You're not getting paid yeah. for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Granted, she does, there's certain songs where she like dwells on like the good stuff and like, for example, the Taylor Lautner one. And, um, she regrets, I think, when she dated Tom Hiddleton because he was kind of the rebound after Calvin Harris. So there is, is a song him? about, yeah, she dated him for like two months. She dated it was him? A whole thing. <laughs> yeah, for two months. And she basically used the poor guy and she regrets it. And I forget what song it is. But it's also on Midnight's, and I think there was a song about him on Evermore. I might be wrong about that. Do, like, I get Lorena, do you have this mapped out somewhere? Yes. Like, do you have <laughs> um, a wall in your house with, like, a family tree, no. like a dating tree? Um, no, but the, on- the ongoing joke, and I don't know if I've told you guys this before, and if I have, I apologize. But when I first met my husband, um, he tells me his birthday is December 13th. And I told him, oh, Taylor Swift's birthday is December 13th. And he's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Like, you're a weirdo. I don't know. I could talk about 
Taylor Swift the whole show, just with what Lorena brings up, and then my pea brain starts going like, and I just want to ask all these questions about, well, what happened with her and Taylor Lautner? Loki, tell me about this. And this is what happened last time, so I'll stop there. But the, all these things are going through my head now. <laughs> when the whole Kanye thing happened, Calvin Harris actually threw her under the bus about it instead of shutting up and being a good boyfriend. So then, basically, she now is dating Joe Alwyn, who is an actor. He's he's a British actor. But anyways, she met Tom Hiddleston and, and Joe, uh, Joe Alwyn the same night. But she actually liked Joe Alwyn more, so she wanted to rebound at the time to get back at Calvin Harris, so she went for Tom Hilton. That Taylor. lasted two months. It was really I mean, bad. we've all done bad really stuff, bad. maybe, sometimes. I mean, we have. Come we Taylor. have, right? We, but we all have. It was so we bad. all have. I'm not joking. <laughs> I remember, like, seeing a picture of him at some 4th of July party where um, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively were at. And I'm like, who isn't this the villain? Like, I'm, I couldn't even think of like the like the character at the time. It's like, isn't he like a villain or something? Why are they dating? And then the next thing I hear is they broke up. And I was like, but I just saw pictures in like you know Fourth of July pictures. How could this happen? Like they were just dating. But yeah, <laughs> Fourth of July pictures. It was a huge thing for us Swifties. I'll just say that. <laughs> Did I see on Twitter, Lorena, that like all of the songs or something on this album went like number one or they were all on the chart? Or, I, I, I retweeted it for you. Yes, I, I saw that. Thank you. Yep. Yes, thank yep. you. It was not all of her songs because it's 20 songs total between the 12 a.m. and 3 a.m. version. Um, but okay. 10 of her songs went number one on the Billboard 100. I mean, not number one. like the first uh, time in history? In the, yeah, exactly. It, the first time wow. in history. Like an artist has ever done that. The closest who got that was, I think, Drake, I believe. And she broke a bunch of like streaming records that Bad Bunny had just gotten like at the beginning of the uh, of the year this year. And I'm a Puerto Rican and I, you know, I get the Bad Bunny uh, hype, but he's no Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. That's all I'm saying. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, he's not. Who is? Who is? <laughs> I don't know. But is it fair to say that we've talked about Taylor Swift Every episode that we have recorded together of this, I believe never, so. I think, I think it beats have. Star Wars and oh, it I'd beats Marvel. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Congratulations, Taylor! You you yes. won our hearts and another and record and, 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 and another record there. <laughs> Mine has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Surprisingly, <laughs> maybe not surprisingly, actually a fairly recent find for me: a new documentary series that's been on Disney Plus in the last little bit of time called Light and Magic, mm-hmm. and it's all about industrial light and magic. For someone that grew up and saw Star Wars in the theater, the first Star Wars, when it was just called Star Wars, to understand what these people did to create the effects and the worlds, it is mind-boggling. The talent and the ingenuity. I've always appreciated movies. You know, I'm a fan of movies. I love going, and but I've never, I've never thought about, oh, how do you composite all these different things into one, and how do I push all these things together in, into one panel and then film it? Or how do I do this where I'm filming it in halftime or double time or whatever it is? Practical effects and what these people were doing in the early early to mid-70s into the 90s is amazing. So you see that the growth of this business beyond Star Wars and, and the movies that George Lucas was creating to where they were creating the T2s and doing those kind of thing, effects for these movies. And then it gets to Jurassic Park where it becomes a CG business, the dynamic and the shift of the old school, the model makers and things getting frustrated and leaving and what have you. 
goes basically from 76 or so when they first started to the Mandalorian in 2019 and how that was filmed on a stage that's thousands of cameras shooting images on a backdrop. Really, really interesting stuff. If you're into those kind of things, definitely where I think it's six episodes to about an hour each. Really enjoyable, very educational. Like I said, particularly as somebody that is a fan of these things, I just had no idea how involved and how much time it took. And holy crap, like these people really, they're just, they're geniuses to be able to think of these things and figure out how do I film a T-Rex running and how do I build it on a computer? And oh, by the way, I got to write the computer program. Oh, yeah, one of the guys that worked there created Photoshop with his brother. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> it yeah. really, it's it's so worth your time. Again, light and magic on Disney+. Plus. Highly educational, really fun, really, really well done. I think what's cool about that, George Lucas, you know, pushing that stuff forward, right? You know, that those effects in Star Wars, Empire, and, and seeing that progression there, pushing that medium and what film could do in special effects. I haven't seen the documentary, but I, I did see the, the advertisement on Disney Plus, and you're right. I agree with you, man. It's just amazing what they've done. And Jurassic Park, I think, was one of the big CGI ones. Talk about how the model makers, they were working with Stan Winston, who right. legendary yeah. model and creator. Yeah, yeah, animatronic. And, oh, yeah. and Phil Tippett, who created a lot of the creatures in the first two Star Wars and several Star Wars movies. The two of them were working to, you know, on these dinosaurs. And then, oh, by the way, these two guys are in the corner secretly working on how to put it on the computer. And then everything went sideways. And then mm-hmm. it, they figured out how to do it and make it work. And now all of a sudden, Phil Tippett's like, I'm out of a job. Like, what am I supposed to do? Because he didn't buy into it. He didn't believe it was going to be the, and it obviously it happened. And now, like I said, they show the Mandalorian and the fact it's just this round room. It's screens just shot, and they could change it to look like a, a bar. It could look like the galaxy. It could look like anything. Instead of green screen now? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. yeah when it, with just thousands of cameras shooting, and the, and the idea that these cameras track, so they know as things move that it cha- it shifts the image so your eye. Just, just the, the, te- the technical Amazing. knowledge that these people have, it's astounding. And as a Joe Johnston fan, for those of you who aren't aware, Joe Johnston worked for ILM. And then ultimately, interestingly enough, George Lucas sent him to college. Said, oh, go to film school. So he went to film school. And then he became a director. And he did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He did The Rocketeer, one of my favorite movies of all time. Captain America, The First Avenger. But Joe Johnston, my, I always thought, oh, Joe Johnston was my favorite because he designed the Boba Fett armor. Well, no, he did, he redesigned the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, you fill in the blank. He drew all this stuff and storyboarded all these scenes. And he's just some guy, you know, like these, these people that are into making movies. And it's really cool. A couple of the, couple of the guys that have been around now for, you know, 50 years, it showed their student films from when they were in like high school. So they're making movies in the sixties and seventies, incredibly inventive stuff. So anyhow, I would highly recommend it. I, Michael, I'm assuming you sound like you've probably watched No, I did, yeah. I I also just loved the – especially in the the first early parts like Star Wars and even Empire where it was literally duct tape and people just kind of staying up all night on like caffeine and whatever, just literally trying to figure out what did George want. <laughs> you know, like how do I actually make this even work because it doesn't exist and I have no idea how this is going to look and all of So like that part, that was as much as I enjoyed the later parts of like how the technology has evolved. I just enjoyed watching 
them kind of recount like, well, I don't know, we just sat in a room and had a like it was kind of like the uh, Apollo 13 with that, you know, think you know, table full of stuff. We have to make this out of this with all of this. And it was just kind of like, that's kind of how it was. Like they were just throwing stuff together. It was fun. It was, uh, yeah, I agree, uh, John. It was definitely worth, worth the watch. I loved it. Michael, what about your first topic? What, what, what uh, do yeah, you think? Yeah. You know, um, for me uh, this year, hands down, one of the best shows that I've seen this year uh, is, is, and I guess just to, I guess, stay on the Star Wars track is Andor. Um, it's been a long time since I, and I'm not even talking about just not even Star Wars, but just a TV show where I found myself so, emotionally invested in a show that you know while it has a lot of act is some action to it it's it's so primarily focused on the acting the the camera work as much as you know we talk about special effects there's a lot of practical effects there's a lot of just going into like cinematography and like location and different things like that where what they do with that on top of the actors uh, and and the music that goes into that it's just all of it together is just a perfect blend and I don't know. I, I, you know, I know it may not have as much eyeballs on it as, and like kind of as much talk as Kenobi or, you know, some of the other previous shows, but like it's, it is truly kind of got me like not only just, I was already excited about Star Wars, but just excited about just the live action and just kind of watching a TV show get made and getting into the actors and, and kind of the motivations of the characters and everything that goes on that and the, like the way that they're portrayed. It's amazing. I don't know. You've probably seen me on Twitter, like retweeting all kinds of stuff, but like I'm, I'm in love with this show. So, um, Absolutely, uh, can't recommend it enough. Is it done? How many episodes is it? Ten? Eight? There's, 10? I, I think, as of this recording, there's two more left. So, yeah, okay. they've kind they're of doing did, a like, season two, right? They announced season two already. Yeah, they're doing. Yeah, it's a two season. It's going to be a two season show. It's not going to be more than that. It's. I think they announced up front that it was going to be two seasons, but it's two twelve show twelve part seasons mm. uh, or okay. two twelve episodes in the season, and so and each one is like a mini arc, like so three episode mini arc. Although I think there was one kind of like standalone in between this one, but basic in, in this season, but like basically it's like three, three, one, three, two, like, or however the, the numbers work out. But uh, basically it's short little arcs of story arcs within, uh, you know, kind of encompassing the entire arc of the show, which it's been, it's been great to watch. Chris, I, I don't know if video games came out this year. Yeah. Surprise me. What, what, what do you got? We, let's let's do that. Let's start with um, a video game. It's actually on the TV on pause over there. I was playing it before I jumped on. Called God of War Ragnarok. Mike, do you know what I hear? Are you? I was wondering if what? you were going to bring that up because I've seen I've been watching people play it, so it's been yeah. It's been, you know, have, yeah. have you played it? The God of War series? I, no, I I haven't. I don't no. have a, a PlayStation, unfortunately. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just came out. It's on PS5. I think it's on PS4, too. Um, it's a sequel to a 2018 God of War, which was like a, um, what do they call it? Like a requel, if it's not a reboot, but it's a sequel. And uh, they had the original God of War games where there's this guy named Kratos, and he's the son of Zeus, and a, I think a human woman. And he basically, through God of War 1, 2, 3, kills all of the Greek gods. I mean, that's what the first three games are about. And it, it ends... There's uh, Apollo, all sort every Greek god that you've heard of, uh, the water guy. Who's the water guy? I don't know. Who the, you know, all of them, though. The big epic game. I don't it. know. <laughs> Aquaman, yeah. Is that Aquaman, you know? Basically kills all of the, the, the Greek gods, ending with Zeus in the third game, and it kind of ends where he you think he's dead, but it shows like a trail of blood, and maybe you think that he survived it. And, man, I think that was like 2010. Fast forward 2018. God of War comes out, the new one, where it's Kratos, but now he's a, a dad, and uh, he's up there uh, with the Norse gods now. 
So he's in it with Baldor is the main villain of, of that game. And that one was really cool, you know, because um, the whole game was about that uh, his wife had just passed away. He settled down with a family man. And he has this little boy who he's not really sure how to raise on his own. And he's just a kind of a crazy guy that's, you know, just been killing gods all of his life. And he's trying to settle down. And now he's pulled into the stuff with Odin and all these things. And so now he got rid of Baldor. And now we're seeing the aftermath in this one. He's in a deal with uh, now Thor and Odin. Now, which is pretty cool here, if you guys uh, do a search for, you know, a God of War Ragnarok and, and search for Thor or Odin, these guys do not look like what you, you might think, like what the MCU Marvel, uh, it's not Anthony Hopkins. It's actually, you know what's super cool is the guy playing Odin in God of War Ragnarok is Richard Schiff, who, if you guys are oh. West Wing fans, yeah. played uh, Toby Ziegler, which is a huge West Wing fan. Um, yeah, so and That's he's cool. got a That's completely cool. different, yeah, completely different take on Odin. Thor, I don't know who the actor is, but uh, he's not Chris Hemsworth. This guy's got uh, got a big old beer belly, and he's he's got you know kind of a sloppy red hair. I mean, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but they they do not look like what you would think for their Marvel counterparts. But yeah, huge game that just came out, God of War Ragnarok. I think I'm about a couple hours into it, and super awesome game. PS5, go pick it up. They're doing the promo videos with like Ben Stiller. Is that for? Yeah. Oh, man. yeah. Yeah. Dude, I hadn't seen Ben Stiller. It feels like I hadn't seen Ben Stiller in anything for quite some time. And my buddy Bear had uh, texted me. He's like, dude, check out this. He's a big God of War fan. He said, check out this promo. Pulled up there. Ben Stiller is dressed as Kratos. That's Kratos, yeah. the, the main right. character. And they're like in a family therapy with their children. So there's uh, LeBron James and Brawny. And the, who was the other one? There was another uh, parent. Uh, child duo there. I don't remember who it was, but uh, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, that's that's the game they're doing the promos for right now. Well, Michael, next up, what you got? This one was just a fun one. I'm sure, I don't know if you've all seen it, but Top Gun Maverick, you could literally lift and shift the original story into the second (laughs) story and maybe update the planes and make the new characters look exactly like the old characters. You pretty much like nailed the same story, but yet it, it worked. Like it was... If, I don't know. I felt like I was watching the first time I was watching the first movie all over again, you know, and, and just kind of getting into it and um, edge of your seat. It was funny, but yet also emotional and yet action. And I don't know. They, I'm, it's, I'm amazed that they that Tom Cruise got they got lightning to hit strike exactly the same place again, you know, and uh, I don't know. It was it's was kind of what I needed that, you know, this year. It was just kind of a, a great, great movie to watch and kind of getting excited about and, and enjoy. Yeah. It did crazy box office, didn't it? Like, it did yeah. crazy yeah. money. Yeah. The thing that blew me away about that movie, which I saw like in an extra somewhere, was the fact that all those actors that were flying had to learn how to film. So they were running their own cameras in those jets. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And that's all practical for the most part. I think they did a couple mm-hmm. of shots that aren't. The majority of those dogfights and things are legit. The actors flying those planes, almost passing out, filming it. It was mind-boggling. And I'm not like I'm of that age. I saw Top Gun as a you know a teenager when it was out. It was fine. I loved this one. I yeah. really, you know, like you said, it kind of hit all those nostalgia notes. Val Kilmer being in it was yep. emotional. Yeah, and, that's and, cool. you know, and and I liked how they explained him being in it and how they danced around his health issues hmm. in a way in a, in a really uh, kind way. The flight scenes were just dumbfounding. Yeah, <laughs> so, it, no, absolutely. So cool. I mean, it, I don't know if you so felt cool. like you were like doing this with them watching or watching. Yeah. It's just the way that the camera worked. It was rocking back and forth. It was holding your own breath. Yeah, it was it was great. 
Um, I hadn't seen yeah. it, but it's just it's cool that these big spectacle movies are back. You know what I mean? That you're just going to the theater, getting your popcorn and your candy or whatever that is, and you can just sit there and you got the premium sound and all that and just watch a really cool movie with all sorts of badass special effects. It's pretty cool that that, that kind of stuff is back. Chris, speaking of that, what's next for you? Big big movie in the theater? You know, we were talking about Star Wars and Tales of the Jedi. So on the small screen, on the small screen, we're going back to the small screen on over there on the Disney Plus. Um, they have it dropped all the episodes at once. It's animated, so any uh, Star Wars Clone Wars fans out there, it's the same. Uh, I think creative uh, Dave Filoni uh, was uh, behind this, and you can see the tech. What was my, so Matthew and I watched it, and we sat down and like binged. I think there's only like six episodes, if I'm not mistaken. They are prequel era. Star Wars stories, which I'm a huge prequel fan. I know the prequels weren't popular with everybody, but I loved them and I love the characters there. So the, there's Ahsoka on there who's become a really big Star Wars character. She was introduced back in the Clone Wars, but the, the story that I loved the most was the one about Count Dooku when he, and he was younger. And there was a, um, episode with him and, and Qui-Gon Jinn for, he was played by Liam Neeson back in the Phantom Menace. This was when he was young. And he was an apprentice to Count Dooku. And you can kind of see their relationship. And you can see that Count Dooku, his progression. And I'm totally nerding out here, you guys. I'm getting into Star Wars lore and all that. So forgive me, listeners out there that don't know all that Star Wars lore. But it's showing Count Dooku's progression of how he let he ended up as a uh, bad guy. We'll call it bad guy. He, was, he ended up as a Sith Lord. Um, but he had some really strong principles on helping people. You know, there was a village that they were helping with a lot of... Um, folks that looked like they were hungry and, and, and in need, and he was really concerned about them. So it, I don't know, man, it drew me right in. I was like, you know, it got me. You didn't get too much screen time with Count Dooku back during the prequels. I think he was towards the end of Attack of the Clones, and he got killed like right at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith right after that to spend some more time with him. Liam Neeson actually voices Qui-Gon, if you guys, yeah, in, in when he's an adult, and they have a brief interaction between Count Dooku and him, and you can see when they're, they're playing it at the same time as the at the end of The Phantom Menace, the story in, in this uh, Tales of the Jedi, and when Qui-Gon Jinn gets killed. And you could see how it impacted Count Dooku. He was upset about it. He was upset at Darth Sidious, who's been slowly corrupting him to the dark side. And he was telling him, hey, you've gone too far. So it's just seeing the, the relationship between Count Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn and his slow descent to the dark side was really heartbreaking for me to, to watch. And to think that an animated show can do that. It helps that you're a Star Wars fan too, you know. But uh, I love, I love yeah, it, Chris. I'm with you. However, yeah, I looked at it from the Ahsoka story. It was awesome when, when she goes through the training. Oh yeah, with Ben or with uh, rather with uh, Anakin. Anakin, yeah. And then it fast forwards. So for those of you who never watched Clone Wars, in the Clone Wars cartoon, which is absolutely amazing. Order 66 Maybe. happens at the end of this series that, or the, the season that Disney put out. Order 66 is initiated and you see how Ahsoka escapes in this short story where it starts with her training against those troopers all trying to shoot her. It jump cuts to the end to that season where, oh my God, like, I'm in, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah. She goes in with Captain Rex, who's not programmed. And he's like, let's see if your training works. And it's them walking in for him to act like he's got her hot, like he's caught her. Holy shit. Like, I lost it. George Lucas, here he is talking about George Lucas again. 
created these things. And Dave Filoni, bless Dave Filoni and John Favreau and the people they have put in charge of stuff. They have made these compelling stories. I liked how they gave Dooku. They they filled in the yeah. sh- the character of Dooku. Right. That particular episode where it ended with them with like, let's see how your training work. I oh, I lost my mind. Like, I couldn't believe it. Oh no, it was a it was amazing. And like and like you said, this 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 team that you got Dave Filoni and John John Favreau, and I think they're the the, the folks behind the Mandalorian and and. I would say some of the better Disney Star Wars content that they put out there was come from these guys. And there's such an, you can tell that they have a lot of respect for the, the material, right? For the, the, the lore, the stories there. And dude, you're absolutely right, John. I mean, the, the way they tied that back to Order 66 and Anakin's training. And by this time in that story, Anakin's already, he's turned back, right? right. He's already right. Darth Vader, if I'm not mistaken. The training that he gave her years before that helped her survive this purge. Well, which adds an additional on. emotional hit oh, to that whole goodness. thing, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. Which the way these guys are able to do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you watch that, and then go watch that season of Clone Wars, where the final at one? the end, have you mm-hmm. you've yeah. seen have you seen the final season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vader is on that stomps that on that plant, lightsaber. Yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> and he sees the clone helmets there, and you just think like, oh man, he remembers fighting with them. He was their. Je- I'm telling everybody out there, audio listeners. I could geek out about this stuff all day long, but yeah. well, and I, and I think you can find this on YouTube because I think I saw someone did this where they actually did some side by side of like that the final episode in the in the Clone Wars and then her training in Tales yeah. of the Jedi, and it's the same move. So like the people who were creating that and did the animation like purposefully knew what moves to make sure that they were including. So it just kind of shows like the thought that goes into it all. Yeah, definitely. Great. The only thing I could say about that is more, please, more Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. Prequel era, if possible, but I'll take some Luke Skywalker stories or whatever that just more. Please, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, you guys, yes. Yes. All right, Lorena, how about you? Moving away from Star Wars, but staying at Disney. Um, <laughs> Lorena's so patient, um, just listening to all of us geek out. No, I mean, to Lorena's credit, I, she has become a Star Wars fan because of us. Yes, I think yeah. we can claim and, and that. I want to watch everything you guys are talking about, but I'm not allowed to watch it until my husband has the time. He was studying for the professional engineer exam, so he kind of did a stop on all series and everything, and I'm not allowed to watch without him because he's like, nope, you can't. You didn't like it when I told you. You just heard three of your friends talk about it. So the least you can do now is wait patiently for me since I wasn't the one who convinced you. So here I am. So, Just don't but, forget um, the Star Wars holiday special arena when you, when you guys watch. I've I I heard that's terrible. Like I remember one of like the tweet that um, I forget the name, uh, Luke Skywalker, like the actor who plays and put out when right. I, I forget what it was, but it was something like something happened and it was worse than that movie. And I forget what it was. It was like, in a comic <laughs> tweet. And I remember sending it to John, and I can't even remember what it was, but I remember laughing because I was like, oh, that's how bad this is. Staying at Disney's, and at our wedding, actually, and the reason I'm mentioning this, um, someone gifted us this book called The Adventure Challenge. And essentially, um, it's like scratch-off uh, date things you can do with your, like, your your husband, your wife, your, you know, whoever you're dating. One of them, uh, my husband and I decided to do one that said, to go to a restaurant and have the waiter choose our meals and then go to the movies and see the next movie that's available. And we did that. And that movie was Buzz Lightyear. 
had zero expectations about this movie. It was on my radar because that's my dad's favorite character. Like my dad's not big on going on movies, but he always took us to every single Toy Story movie when my sister and I were kids because he loved Buzz Lightyear so much. So um, I knew the movie was out there, but I was I didn't care for it necessarily. But I was pleasantly surprised. It's very different. It was nothing I would have expected. Kind of like his origin story in a way. Basically, he's stuck in a hostile planet and the movie is basically him trying to get them away from the planet before it implodes or something along those lines. But what made the movie for me was his emotional support cat called Socks. He was the funniest little character <laughs> and his one-liners were just amazing. And I... I'm only telling you, just for that cat, I would watch that movie. It was just so cute. Samir and I were probably the only adults there without any kids watching the movie. <laughs> and I was probably laughing the, la the loudest at that, that cat. <laughs> he had the best one-liners. Like, oh my God, it was such a good movie. So it's cute. I know it's not, you know, it's not like movie of the year material or anything like that, but it's pretty good. And it's, and Chris, it's Chris Evans, Evans now as Lightyear, right? yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Yes, yes, I did see that. And I was like, what? Do they explain why he's not Tim Allen? Or he's got a different voice? I think it's the, the human or the movie that the toy is based on. So it's like, it's yeah. not, it's like the toy that Tim Allen voiced is actually based on like the it's person imitating. that, that this yeah. guy, yeah, is right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the toy I maker didn't get the, something the rights to the act. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so the, the premise being that this would have been the movie that Andy saw as a kid. Exactly. Essentially. Exactly. Yes, correct. Right. Even though yeah. this, yeah. this is so much more advanced than Toy Story was, you know, design wise. <laughs> right. Right. It's, you know, because it's 30 years later. But yeah, but yeah, you have to, you have to pitch that and say, oh, this would have been the movie that Andy saw as a little kid before he got the Buzz Lightyear figure. So this is a real life yeah. movie in the Toy Story universe. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I think that's how they explained it. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. The TSEU, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the TSEU. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, they've had, what, four movies and then a Halloween, like a Halloween or a Christmas special. Yes, or, they did. They got all kinds yeah. of things out there. The third movie, I think it was uh, the one that where Andy goes to college and that like was around oh, the time I oh, was going to don't college. Don't get me started on yeah. that one. I was like crying, like 18 year old me was like, like emotional and I think all the parents who were there with their kids were like, who is this weird teenager just crying like a well, baby? I, <laughs> I didn't cry when they when they were putting the toys in the fire. I didn't cry about that. I cried when he gave the toys to the little girl. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what yeah. I was My kids thinking. were little. Yeah, that's where I got emotional. It wasn't them holding hands thinking they were going to get burned up. It's like, oh, no, when he gave his toys away into childhood. Oh, God. And he says, well, like, thanks, guys, or something like that. And they're just watching him drive away. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, it, oh. it reminded me of, like, I was a huge fan of Barbie. And I had all the Barbies. You name it, I had them. And when I kind of outgrew Barbies, and my, my sister had them for a while, but she's not that much younger. So by that time, when I was done with Barbies... I didn't want the Barbies to just go to anyone. I was like, it can't, because I had little cousins, but they break the toys. Like, there's no tomorrow. And I was like, no, this has to go to kids who will appreciate Barbies. And I ended up donating them. Forget what was the place I donated it to, but I ended up donating them because I felt like nobody deserved um, the Barbies except, like, kids who can't have their own toys. I was like, these are the kids who, because they will appreciate the Barbies. So, yeah. So that's how I, so when I saw that scene where he's like giving the toys away, I was like bawling because it reminded me of like, here are my Barbies. <laughs> so. The thing that got me on that is when 
Woody was in there. And he originally didn't put Woody in there, right? He was like, no, I'm going to keep that, even as an adult. He was like, this this one's going to – the rest of them, adios. And when he pulled Woody, he's like, how did this one end up in here? And that's when I'm like, oh. And then he gave it away. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. It would not be a pop culture roundtable for me without mentioning a podcast. It's been out a couple years anyway. I just discovered it in the last many months. It's called The Stuff Dreams Are Made Of. It's all about movie prop collecting. These people are on an entirely different level of anybody I know that collects anything. The two hosts, one is Dave Mandel, who worked on Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Veep. He directed uh, Eurotrip back in the day. And then a <laughs> younger guy named Ryan Condal, who's currently the executive producer on the new Game of Thrones show. And I knew Dave Mandel's name really from more from comic book art collecting high-end stuff. I'm not even going to begin to talk about like the numbers that are involved. They do this show, and it's all about movie props and what they collect and who they know, the history of prop collecting. It's fascinating stuff. Every time there's an auction, they'll get the auction book out, and they'll talk through what's being sold. And they'll talk about, well, if you spend 100000 on this, it's not that big a deal. Now, again, so it's all perspective, but it's highly entertaining. These guys know their – and they are known in the industry. Like, again, I knew Dave Mandel's name from in the comic book world because he's been known as a, a high-end art collector for 30 years. This is, like I said, on a different level, but it's very educational. You could buy replica props, and they talk about the replica makers and who to deal with, how to get in. You know, maybe if you're going to start something lower, if you just really wanted some specific piece from a movie you really love. Super fun. Their banter is great. Like I said, I just put the caveat out there that I am not looking to buy anything that these guys are into. I can't imagine. I know for a fact that Mandel owns screen-used Darth Vader helmet. He owns, I believe he just bought one of the, there's an X-Wing that just went up that I think sold for over a million. One of them used in primary filming of Star Wars, the original Star Wars. And I think it sold for over a million. And they won't talk about who got it. I think he got it. <laughs> it's an entirely different level of fandom and collecting. In the spirit of that topic, if there, if money wasn't a, an object, if there was a movie prop that you could get, what would it be? Boba Fett's armor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How about you, Lorena? Anything Harry Potter, in all honesty. Maybe like oh, the yeah. Nimbus 2000. I I don't know why I always get so excited uh, at the scene where he's learning how to fly the room for the first time. I don't know what it is about that scene. I think it's when I read it, I imagined it so vividly that when I saw it in the movie, I was just excited about that scene. And it's still my favorite scene to this day. So it'll probably be that. Or if I can't get that, anything Harry Potter, pretty awesome. Michael. Uh, I'm, it's kind of a tie on, on mine. One would just be uh, like Indiana Jones whip. Like if I could get that, uh, or you know, or or, or is that even the fedora. But but that whip, I kind of for me, that would be. That would you be need to listen favorite. to that podcast because there's a uh, whole episode about the whips. Oh, okay. Because there are multiple whips. I feel well, right? And okay. How they were yeah. designed and who designed them. Oh, these guys. Like I said, yeah. You you need to listen. To okay. <laughs> The, the only other thing, which is incredibly impractical and would never work in any way real life, but I would love – the shark from Jaws still existed in its entirety. I would love to have that sitting somewhere in my, my backyard somewhere or something because that, that I mean, would just be fun. But, you know. I mean, if we're talking about impractical, then Hogwarts yeah. as a castle. Oh, of course. Right? Um, so. Chris, you asked the question. What, what would your yeah, answer what be? What you got, man? 
Michael, I was thinking about the shark from Jaws. I really was. When there's no objects, I really was thinking about that shark. And then I'm thinking, do I want the one from Jaws 2 that had, like, the burnt face? The Jaws 3 one was kind of goofy, but, well, whatever. I used to love Jaws 3 when I was younger, and I don't know right. why. But I, uh. for some reason, I liked Jaws 3. and then Or the Jaws the Revenge one, which just looked horrendous. But, no, if I could, and I know this is probably out of left field, would be Mr. Freeze's armor from Batman and Robin, one worn uh, by one Arnold Schwarzenegger. The not bad, not bad. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I have a real soft spot for Batman and Robin, that movie, uh, which I totally know is not loved by a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, Mr. Fre- he just looked so cool in that. Mr. You guys remember that? The big, like, shoulder things and got that helmet. And I just thought he looked cool. But, yeah, Mr. Freeze's armor. <laughs> With that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by Namely. Running HR for a mid-sized business means you need software that can keep up with all you do, so you can focus on strategy, culture, and keeping your employees happy. You need Namely, the all-in-one HR solution that makes life easier for your employees, your management, and you. Namely's HR platform covers your essential HR and compliance needs in one place. Whether you have 50 or 1,000 employees, Namely's all-in-one integrated platform is designed to be used by everyone every day. With a mobile app and elegant UI, Namely lets employees request PTO, appreciate peers, review their pay stubs, even answer their own HR questions. Namely offers it all, from onboarding and payroll to time tracking, benefits, employee engagement, and so much more. You'll finally have the time and data you need to drive the initiatives your company really cares about. We want you to simplify your HR processes with Namely, so we've arranged a special offer for listeners. Right now, get a free month of unlimited access to Namely's all-in-one HR platform by going to namely.com slash hrsocialhour. Thanks again to Namely for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. And we are back talking pop culture. One more round of items. Chris, we're going to start with you. What's your last thing for the year? There was two that I was going to talk about, but something happened over the, in the last couple of days. I was going to either talk about Batman or WWE because there were some big things that happened in WWE this year. If you're, if you're a pro wrestling fan, there were some big things there. I'm going to talk about Batman because uh, there's two things. And one that just happened uh, in the last couple of days, I'm sure if you guys are fans of Batman out there, you heard that Kevin Conroy who was the iconic voice of Batman starting, if I'm not mistaken, with Batman, the animated series back in the early nineties, he passed away, unfortunately, and pretty young. I think he was only 66, you know, so um, I don't know if he was sick or, or cancer. Cancer. Oh, it was. Oh man. There's a good chance. Even if you didn't watch Batman, the animated series, somehow you might've heard his voice as Batman, as Bruce Wayne. And this, honestly, is just an iconic rendition. If you think of Batman, it's hard not to hear Kevin Conroy's voice. It was so iconic that it transcended different mediums. So it started with a cartoon. For uh, gamers out there that to know this, the, there was a really stellar series of Batman games. was the Batman the Arkham series, and I think there was three games. They got him to voice Batman in that series. Also, Mark Hamill voice the Joker in all three of those things. So that series was amazing. I think he did some other animated uh, outside of Batman, the animated series, but other versions of, of the cartoon. I think there was a live action one that he just did as Bruce Wayne in a TV show that I have not seen. Yeah. It's one of the WB shows. They did, okay. a, I think either flashpoint or one of those. And it was, okay. I, I don't keep up. It was either flash or green arrow. But he was Supergirl. Bruce Wayne. They all, right? they all cross. Yeah. He, he was playing yeah. Bruce Wayne. 
Yeah, he unfortunately just passed away, and and that just got me thinking about all the work that he did with that. A lot of social media tributes out there to him. Uh, my son is not too familiar with Batman the Animated Series, but uh, we fired it up the other day and uh, when he passed, and he was like, Daddy, this is really good, you know? And I think we started with, the, I think it was a, the episode with Man Bat, and it's kind of like a mystery. Like, you don't know uh, if you're not a comic then, and he doesn't know all the lore behind that. He's like, who is this, you know? We were binge watching all the animated series and it's just so, so good. And I know that's not a 2022 series, Batman the animated series, but with Kevin Conroy passing away, I wanted to mention his work. Honestly, some of the best Batman stories ever told. If you want just good Batman stories, go watch Batman the animated series. It's fantastic. Right. Something else that came out. And anybody, any thoughts on Batman the animated series? Anybody want to mention anything? Yeah. No, I would just say I, I would agree with you, man. That, that show was probably some of the best Batman that I've seen, you know, seen period. Oh, like, I mean, and just beyond the writing and the animation, but then the stories, but then of course how he portrayed both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. That, that one definitely has been hitting me hard this week. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm with you. Uh, absolutely. I'm going to sound like a heretic. I've always appreciated the animated series. Mr. Freeze episode. Heart of Ice. Mr. Heart of Ice. Ice. Yeah. It's like one of the most amazing things I've ever absolutely. seen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, for me, Batman Brave and the Bold is my favorite Batman. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it hit. And, and the thing I have always appreciated about Batman, and I think we've, we may have talked about this before. I know I've talked about it on one of my other podcasts. The cool thing about Batman is he can be everything to everybody. Adam West Batman, silly 60s era, Bat-Tusi dancing, multicolored, right? That can be Batman. Kevin Conroy Batman, darker, moody, and setting a tone, or Michael Keaton, or now even this new The Batman, which I really, I was blown away at how much I liked it. Because I had zero expectation for that movie. And I re- I was blown away. Stunned at how good it was. But I like the fact that you can have all these different Batman. The core of the character is still the same. And so Batman Brave and the Bold is a much brighter, silly, you know, co-host, you know, guest stars and whatever. But Batman, and I think Bruce Wayne shows up once in that cartoon. I think one time he pulls the mask off. It's been a long time since I watched that whole series. Like I said, for me, that one, because I like kind of that flavor of the month, guest star kind of stuff. And Aquaman on that show is amazing. I get a lot of grief for that because while I appreciate TAS, I'm much more brave in the bold. I never met Conroy. I've seen him at a lot of conventions. I always heard he was a really good dude. When you met him, he was very personable and friendly. And so, yeah, I was very disappointed to hear about that. Yeah, John mentions the Batman. That's what's originally one of the topics I was debating to talk about because I loved the Batman that just came out earlier this year and Robert Pattinson uh, and I don't know too much I, I, the only movie I've seen and I know it was a big Twilight star and I've not seen did those, he but do the, a good job like that's oh, my question yeah. he did fantastic <laughs> I he can't I don't sound terrible yeah. but I can't take him seriously as an actor because of Twilight so <laughs> no he's he <laughs> is amazing that's what's frustrating for him is he's an adult. I mean, yeah. he, he made a movie as a teenager, and he did what they asked him to do. I've never seen I've never seen the Twilight movies. So I don't You're know not missing anything but, special. But, well, <laughs> I, I kind of figured that, but it, I'm not the audience. However, you know, he gets Batman. I'm like, okay, whatever. I just wasn't <laughs> expecting much after the Nolan movies. Right. And then, well, like, whatever they did with Ben Affleck, Batman, the story, <laughs> the first 20 minutes of that movie are so disconcerting. The way the music runs, and, and it's like, I was totally in, and they picked some really good reference material. The guy playing Riddler was unbelievable. Oh, man. That kid is the actor of his Paul generation. Dano. Yeah, Paul Dano is unbelievable in everything I've ever seen him in. Did you hear about the first day of shooting, what he did? No. That, 
In this, you know, the Riddler's a serial killer. One of the things he thought was, well, a serial killer would make sure that he leaves no anything behind, fingerprints, hair, anything. He wore that leather gear. He had saran wrapped his head under the mask, not realizing that, oh, well, you saran wrap, you can't sweat. And he almost like had an episode. So he was on like Tonight Show or something basically saying, hey, cosplayers, please don't do this. I know you all want to be true to the character. Don't put saran wrap on when you put your mask on. He was tremendous. I thought Pattinson was fine. Is he the greatest Batman ever? Probably not, but he was good. I just thought the story was really fun, and it didn't have to be Nolan. It was its own thing, and it was it was really well done. The only Batman reference I know is like Lego Batman. That's the only thing I want. <laughs> that may be the so. best Batman, actually. <laughs> that, that is that, that, that is your very good Batman. Batman. Yeah. If you go back to the Lego Batman movie, that story is actually decent. How he's like, the Joker is planning to open up the Phantom Zone or whatever. I mean, it's a really good story. Yeah, the Batman, it's it's brutal. The the Riddler, this is not Jim Carrey's Riddler from Batman Forever. They established that right from the beginning where he just, I think it's the mayor that he murders and just, just bludgeons this guy. Um, so wow. it's, a, it's a really scary, really straight up scary villain through the Riddler. Uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman was really good. Zoe Kravitz was such a great Catwoman. The chemistry between Pattinson's uh, Bruce Wayne Batman and, and her Catwoman, Selina Kyle, it was just everything that I could want from a Batman movie. At the end, you know, you get the Joker there in Arkham Asylum uh, with the Riddler now that he's been locked up, and they're kind of setting up some magic there to happen with some future installments. It was such a good feeling that we hadn't, I feel like hadn't had a great Batman movie in a long time since probably The Dark Knight. I didn't like The Dark Knight Rises. And so I went and saw The Batman opening night, and then I was out there buying the merch. I was in the store looking. I'm like, I want this. I want this. I want – and it was just so cool to feel that as a a Batman fan that there's a movie that that pumped me up and just looking forward to more. Uh, Andy Serkis' Alfred did an amazing job. If you guys haven't seen The Batman, it's on video, of course. Go check it out. All right, Lorraine, how about you? I think I mentioned last year that what I was looking forward to this year was the Harry Potter 20-year anniversary special. And that came out on New Year's Day. I saw it New Year's Day, and I was very into it. So New Year's Eve, or New Year's Day, because I mean, celebrated it, I went to sleep in my Harry Potter PJs. Yes, I own Harry Potter PJs. I like dorky PJs. It's a me thing. When I woke up that morning, I made Samir do the scar with eyeliner in my forehead so I could watch with with my scar. And I had some mimosas and I was just laughing with them and crying with them. And I felt like I was part of that. That is amazing. I loved it so much. Besides Taylor Swift, I'm really not that great following pop culture in general. So I hadn't realized that some of the actors have already passed. They took a moment to like remember them, which was very emotional. And then just hearing them, you know, talk about each other. And then the other thing is I'm a huge fan of Emma Watson's and Tom Felton's relationship in real life. And I don't know why they're not together, but they should be together. They, you know, they mentioned, you know, like how it could have happened, but never happened type of thing. So I was just fangirling on that. It was just great. It was very similar to like the Friends special where they're just reminiscing. They're not recreating. They're not doing anything. It's just them remembering, you know, how great it was to film. And, you know, they just talked about that. And it was just I think that's perfect for me. I I enjoy those reunions more than like remakes or or like, you know, really new releases to the same show. Like not that I don't enjoy those. I like reunions more because it's more emotional 
and you get to know the actors more as people. Something emotional about that for me. So I loved it. My last topic was a movie. Honestly, it may be the best movie I've seen in the last decade. And I didn't have a lot of expectation going in other than I had seen the previews and I thought it looked really interesting. It's a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. I had a visceral moment watching this movie. And for those of you who aren't aware, it's a multiverse movie. I can't begin to explain how crazy this movie is, but how grounded it was. And at the end, it was all about family. Michelle Yeoh, who I just, I have adored forever. She was amazing. Ki Kwan, who many people know as Data or Short Round from the 80s, movies that I grew up on. He hadn't acted in a movie in like 30 years. He came back and he was amazing. Have you all seen it? I have not. Okay. The directors are, they go by Daniels. It's two guys, both named Daniel. And so this movie is by Daniels. I'm not even going to try to explain it other than it is the best multiverse movie ever made. Visually, it is one of the most out there things you're ever going to see. I was stunned. Daniel and I went to see it opening night. It was shown in one theater in the city of Richmond, and it was about half full. It's weird. It is a weird premise. The fact that this woman, they go to do their taxes, and she basically gets sucked into a closet. Her husband, who who is her husband, jumps from another universe to tell her that the world's under attack. And if their daughter, the daughter in this world who is really a bad guy, is going to destroy the universe. All the multiverses is going to destroy everybody. We have to kill her. And the premise is that you can jump from multiverse to multiverse and according to what you do. So, for example, she needs to become a kung fu star, so she has to slap her face. And then all of a sudden she has the power from that other universe of that. And then it is absolutely amazing. I, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I love the fact that at the end of the day, it really is about this family and all the struggles they're going through. All this stuff, like all this real world stuff's going on in this crazy world. Because all these people are jumping from universe to universe. You've got to pay attention. It is super weird. And at one point, I'll just tell you, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. They're in a universe where everybody has hot dog fingers. They have fingers that are literally like this long. Like, uh, you know, that look like hot dogs hanging off their hands. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It's available on all demand, wherever. Sit down, pay it, but you got to pay attention. You can't be reading the paper or playing Wordle or whatever. You got to pay attention to it. Hands down, it is the most amazing thing I've seen in years. When it was over, I looked at Daniel and I said, half the people in this audience hated this movie, at least, if not 75%, because they weren't paying attention. You had to pay attention. That's my pitch for everything, everywhere, all at once. Sounds interesting. Do, do yourself a favor. I mean, favor. once you told me it's about family, I'm like, yeah, it, I, that's, anything that's about it, it, family, it, I like. It is not a family movie like you would think of a family movie. I know. But, but no, no, still, but I like the dynamic. It's a, just yeah. a beautiful movie. And like I said, Michelle Yeoh, uh, she can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. So <laughs> highly recommend it. Michael. This is going to be a little, a little out there. I will say it wasn't one I thought I would like. We put it on because my son thought it looked interesting, and then we ended up watching it for, like, I think a, a week on repeat straight. The Chippendale, the Rescue Rangers movie. Oh, that was Disney great. Plus. There was a movie? It was. I did not know there was a movie. I, I remember really seeing a little movie. blurb about it before it came out, and I was like, there's no way I'm ever. I mean, I, mean, I loved, I, I enjoyed the uh, the cartoon a bit as, as a kid, but, like, right. or as a, an older kid. Disney Afternoon. Uh, yeah, in the afternoons, yeah. Uh, it wasn't my favorite of that genre. It was like Tailspin and others that I liked better. But I still liked uh, Chippendale. We watched this. I laughed so hard. All the little random things that they threw in there that just were just like a fun 
uh, for the adults just as much as the kids, if not probably more so. I don't know. I'm not even really sure they made it all just for the kids. They really probably made it for the adults. It was it was great. I enjoyed that. So it, it's definitely if you just want a little uh, kind of nostalgia trip along with just kind of some fun, random pop culture reference, random cameos of animated people. It's kind of very much a little Roger Rabbit of its time, which is random cartoon characters that aren't really necessarily even tied to Disney necessarily, but, even in some cases. So yeah. I think we should point out, though, like at one point, Chip and Dale, yeah. one is animated and one looks CG because he'd had work done. Yeah, like that was like, <laughs> instead of cosmetic <laughs> surgery, he became like part. a CG Chip and Dale versus <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, exactly. I did um, not know about this. Because and then, when yeah, I was... Had, oh. It's good. It's, oh it's my god! Fun. I need to watch it. It is fun. Yeah, on so it's Plus. it's on Disney so, Plus. Uh, I would recommend oh it out there. Um, John, it was, John Mulaney it was and Andy Samberg, right? Aren't they the? Voices? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Andy Samberg. Yeah, Will Arnett's in there too. Oh, you can't really like see this picture. Here. And, yeah, I mean their voices, but yeah, it's it's good. I'll send you guys a picture later because, like, they're my favorite character. Like, I have the Shippendale hats when I go to Disney. And when my parents, before they went back to basic cable, back when I lived in Puerto Rico, there was this channel called Toon Disney, and it was all these cartoons. And yes, all I would Disney. watch was yep. that. It was that. That and DuckTales. Those were the only two shows yes. I would watch. Uh, those were the best, man. This this makes me so happy. You have no yep. idea. You'll probably enjoy it then, for sure. One of my favorite parts, and there's two that stand out. For The whole movie is great. They have Ugly Sonic, I think. Yes. I don't know. His, his... That's what it's called, yeah, Ugly Sonic. I think that's what it is. For folks that might not know, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog movie that came out, I think, in 2020. When the first trailer came out for it, it just got torn up, the design of Sonic. He has, like, human teeth. It was gross, you know. I I wasn't like up in arms about it, but I like that is very weird. But there was so much blowback that they actually changed his whole look and do something that's more um in common and in line with what he looks like in the video games. And it turned out really good. It was a really good movie. They actually took in this Chippendale one. Where were they at? Like at a convention? I don't know. Where it, they, yeah, it was like a like a con, like a con. Yeah, con we're doing and, stuff. Yeah. and like. Yeah. And I didn't know he was in it, but all of a sudden, there's Ugly Sonic. And I knew the history, but Matthew and I were watching. He's like, is that Sonic the Hedgehog? And I had to explain to Matthew, like, what the joke was. He totally didn't <laughs> they understand. joke about his teeth. It's pretty Nobody, funny. What's yeah, it's funny, funny, yeah. Why does Sonic the Hedgehog look like that, Daddy? And then I know this is kind of morbid, but poor Flounder from The Little Mermaid, when they talk about what happened to him, and they were, they took him and... He got bootlegged or whatever. I forgot what the yeah the bootleg. Well, that and that's half the plot. Yeah, the plot of the that's bootleg. Half the plot. He got yeah, poor Floundry, which is hilarious. It, yeah, it didn't end up too well for him. Uh, yeah. Spoiler for the Little Mermaid, but yeah. Oh man, that's a great one, Mike. We've talked about quite a few things in the last bit of time. Of course, one of the things we like to do as we start to wrap up is we look at the next year and say what's next. And while this may be the final episode that we record, and at least in this format or in this way, as we look at 2023, what are you most excited about? Lorena, we're going to start with you. You guys already know. It's the Taylor Swift tour. Come on. Let's yeah. not, let's well, not, we know because we, we talk to you, but for those that are listening, <laughs> even, yeah. even those who listen, who have listened enough should know that it's Taylor Swift. Like, if well, they may not know she was sure, no. but they didn't no, know. No, she no was they sure. should they know. No excuse. They should know. Like, if you listen constantly, you should know. If not, you're not a real HR social hour podcast fan. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm going to give people a little bit of, a little bit of grace there. 
as part of the new album, she did announce a tour. We knew that we knew that number one fan here would certainly be in line for ticket. And as she told us, she's already verified three different email accounts to make sure that you can get get a ticket. Yes, I will. I will find a way. And if I if I like if I don't get tickets, I'll just listen to all the radio shows and try to win it there. And then your assignment is to win them for me as well. It doesn't matter state or city. I will make it happen. You're going to go there. Uh, <laughs> yes, I will. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but uh, seriously, I'm just super excited about this. You know, when I first started listening to her, I still lived in Puerto Rico. She's never toured in Puerto Rico. And then when I mm. finally moved to um, Florida, the one time she was in Orlando, I couldn't afford it. So I wasn't able to go. There was this other time she was in Tampa and I wasn't able to get the tickets because I don't know what was happening in my life, but I was just not on it like I am this time around. I will make this happen. Um, if it doesn't happen, people will hear about it on all my social media. Pray that this happens to me, guys, please. I really, I really want this. <laughs> I really want this. It's, it's, you know, what's special about this tour specifically, Chris, stop laughing. Um, what's I you better pray. What's really special about this one is the fact that she's calling it the Eras Tour and she's going to be playing songs from all her 10 albums. So that makes me even more excited because although I love Midnight's, I really do. There's nothing as exciting as going to see your favorite artist and they're playing their old music from all of the albums they've had. Usually, like, I'm a huge fan of Ricky Martin and myself. So, like, every time I go to a Ricky Martin concert, I know he's going to play his new songs. But there's always his old songs that I really love. He always plays that. So I'm, like, kind of expecting that type of vibe as well. I really hope I go. I already chose an outfit, even though I don't have tickets, everything. And I'll be wearing a, wear a red scarf. I'll tell you that. We know it's going to happen. There is no doubt in our minds. We, we, we the collective energy of the <laughs> HR Social Half Hour podcast and all our friends, we're going to will this into existence. We know it's going to happen for sure. Yes, mm-hmm. please. Michael, what are we going to will into existence for you? <laughs> Man, I... I... <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure. I, the passion I, I, I can quite match uh, match that. The Indian, next Indiana Jones movie is slated to come out next year, and I, you know, I, for a while I was on the fence about it. But I, I listened to Harrison Ford kind of on the D23, uh, the latest thing, and he, you know, he was kind of on a panel or they had him interviewing. So I was watching some of that, and he's stopped being quite as much of a grumpy old man, and it's kind of more of a nostalgic old man, perhaps. Uh, and I really felt like he's kind of bringing himself into this to making it kind of a, a, a what he wanted to be and hopefully a, a good movie. So I'm just excited to see what it's going to be, and I'll probably be there even if, uh, even though the, the last one was something I wish didn't happen uh, in terms of movies, The hopefully this one will redeem it, and I'm looking forward to that if it, if it happens this year or this coming year, 23. Chris, what are we going to will into you? Video games? Yeah, I, what's, what's new? Like, what's coming? I'm getting deja vu because I feel like I said this when we recorded in 2021 and it got delayed, and I don't know if this is even going to happen. But it's the new Flash movie that's part of the DCEU or DCU. The reason I'm not a huge Flash fan, but this movie marks the return of the one true Batman, Michael Keaton. Uh, he's in the movie. They did the trailer back. Gosh, I feel like it was a while ago. I feel like it was supposed to come out this year, but it's been delayed. And I don't know what's going to happen in this movie, because if you read some of the news, the star of the movie that plays The Flash got some uh, legal legal stuff that we don't need to get into. This it was a, like a multiverse movie. And because in this continuity, Ben Affleck, I think, is still I think he's in it. I think that, that, that he's supposed to be, that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That his Batman is in this. That's the current Batman. But they're br- somehow bringing in Michael Keaton's Batman. And so 
if you give me a chance to go see Michael Keaton as Batman on the big screen, you have my money already. I hope it happens. I don't know. I know there's some changes uh, with some uh, DC leadership. Yeah, I saw that in the news. Uh, James Gunn, who's been working with Marvel, and he's been like the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, guy that's done some really cool stuff uh, with the Guardians. He's now like the he- or co-head of DC movies and content. And so I, I don't know. I just want to see Michael Keaton as Batman one more time. If you guys can will that into existence for me and send up those prayers along with the T-Swift concert that we will see the return of the one true Batman, Michael Keaton. Please, please, please. I think this is typical where people would say, I expect me to say Mandalorian season three, because it is coming and we're going to have a bunch of Mandos jumping out of a, of a ship. And that's yes. always amazing and hurrah. Yeah. However, March 24th, tentatively, is John Wick chapter four. I've talked about it on social hour and I don't think I was in so with you all, maybe with Wendy, the John Wick movies have no social value at all. It just so happened. My mother-in-law watched about 20 minutes, not knowing what she was watching. And she was horrified. <laughs> so anyway, that is hilarious. But, but John Wick, Daniel, my son, Daniel and I, he's my action movie buddy. So we go, we see all the action movies together and we've seen, I think we've seen two and three in the theaters. So, of course, when we saw the end of three, we're like, yeah, we're getting another one because we thought three would be it. These movies are insane. Keanu Reeves is having fun. You can tell. Part of the reason I'm super excited about this one is that my man crush Donnie Yen is in it. If Donnie Yen is in a John Wick movie, there's going to be bananas action. Daniel will turn 20 the week before the movie. So we have decided for his birthday we're going to go see John Wick Chapter 4. I don't know if it's going to have a title besides that. Right now it's just called John Wick Chapter 4. No social redeemable value at all. The if trailer looks crazy fun. Crazy action. Oh, yeah. The, the new trailer yeah. just yeah. released right before we recorded. It looks uh, insane. The last couple have just been kooky. Appreciate that, and it entertains me. Lots of good things to look forward to in 23. As we mentioned at the outset, we are coming out right at Thanksgiving. I need to say again to three of you, I am so thankful for each of you to have you in my life, not only as an HR peers, but as friends, and having done this now for five numbered episodes we did like a mid-year one. We talked about before we started recording, Lorena, you hold the record on the HR Social Hour for most appearances hey, with nine Clay. appearances on the show. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you and Michael, I believe, are at six. We have had so much fun over the years doing this. I appreciate you all so much. I'm hoping the listeners have gotten this far. They're probably connected with you, but if they're not, best way for you out there, Lorena. Um, L Pabon HR, so L P A B O N H R on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now be real. Michael at MJ Milady, um, at Twitter and links to socials from there. Chris, Chris Orozco 72 over on the Twitter and Instagram. For me, first off, I want to thank Namely for sponsoring this month of November and for being with us all throughout the year. Be sure again to check out Namely.com slash HR Social Hour to get your first month free of service. And as for me, JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, HR Social Hour Podcast.Podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, and follow. Handful of episodes left. If you're not following, if you do, you'll get those new episodes as they become available International listeners would love to talk to you, even though it may not be for the show. Love to hear about your pop culture world and what you're into, or if you're watching these things that we're into. Are there Taylor Swift fans on the other side of the planet? I bet there are. We'd love to talk about it. So reach out and we'll have those conversations. I'm going to have you all help me do the end here, which is not real common. A couple of folks have gotten to do this. Thank you all for listening. Have Again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. 
And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody.